0: I want to talk to you guys this morning about the covenant removal of shame, of shame. You know, a lot of my life and different things, trying to process pain, trying to process stuff that went on, happened to me, things that I did, things that happened to me, or whatever. Um, I kept feeling like the root of my stuff was rejection, or fear of rejection, or fear of abandonment, and some different things like that. I really battled and struggled with. That's why it was so hard for me to stand up here because, because of those issues. And really, shame was behind all that stuff. I didn't realize it. Because shame was my thing, and I didn't know it, I had to be perfect, and I couldn't make mistakes in front of you guys, because then you know that I'm not perfect. Like, it's a newsflash to you. I mean, I don't, like, I, I don't know, but, it, but you guys know what I'm talking about, because we all do some kind of thing. that. We try to hide our stuff from other people so they can't see our faults and our whatever. But um, all that time I was battling or praying against rejection or fear of rejection, really behind the scenes... Shame was laughing and mocking me, because it was shame the entire time. Shame for things that I had done, shame for things in my family line, and things like that. And uh, But now, I recognize it, I spot it, and I've got it in Jesus' name. I'm going after it hardcore, and you guys are going with me. I've shared some of these things with a pastor friend of mine. He was weeping over the phone and over the Zoom call. He goes, send me that message as soon as you get it preached, because that's what I'm going through too. So... I looked up shame in the dictionary, it has a lot of multiple meanings, uh, meaning it's a word that's hard to define. One online source said that shame can also be defined as a feeling of embarrassment or humiliation that arises in relation to the perception of having done something dishonorable, immoral, or improper. So it's a feeling of embarrassment or humiliation. With connection to doing something wrong. Webster's dictionary says that shame is a painful emotion caused by consciousness of guilt, shortcoming, or an improper action or remark. Just this emotion or feeling coming on us. Dictionary.com says shame is the painful feeling arising from the consciousness from something dishonorable, improper, ridiculous done by ourselves or another person. So we can have shame from things that we've done, but shame from things our our parents, our close friends, relatives have done. So the online source made the connection with embarrassment humiliation. Webster says a connection with guilt and shame. Dictionary.com said um, that shame is an emotion that, come, that comes when we sense, know, or perceive that we or someone else did something wrong. So it's this mystery stuff out there. It's floating around. It's hard to figure out, why am I feeling this way? What is this feeling I'm feeling? I don't even know what I'm feeling. Why am I feeling this way? It's a mystery, but it's from something that is an embarrassment from something that happened either in our lives or in our family line. So in some cases, we are made to feel shame like we did something wrong, even when we didn't. Do you Remember as a kid, sometimes our family members, our parents, would put guilt chips on you? Shame, shame, I know your name. You know, shame on you, shame on you. And they had no idea the power of their words of what damage that was doing to you. Now, there is a healthy form of shame, and, I'm, and let me say it this way. Like, it is shameful to do things intentionally to bearish your family. So bear, don't bring shame to your family name. I'm not, so I'm not talking about that. We shouldn't do things that would shame our family name or our name or the name of Jesus, right? But sometimes we do. And then what do we do when we do? What do how do we fix that once we've done that? And so... When people put that shame on us, it really hurts us, and it makes you feel less and less and less about yourself. And even though you can know you're forgiven or believe you're forgiven, there's this trace of something that remains, that stains us or taints us, that we just can't quite figure out what that is. And I'm telling you guys today, it's shame. It's shame. So we see in these definitions that shame is connected to guilt, embarrassment, humiliation of improper behavior, and a feeling of unworthiness. Some of you may have read Danny Silk's book, I know Nathan Tomlin has, he's a big fan of it, uh, Unpunishable, but he has a quote in there saying that shame is the fear of disconnection. It is the fear that something we've done or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. Okay? Uh, it goes on to say that shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of, of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. To say this is a big topic is is a is I don't is really underestimating the thing because people kill themselves over this all the time. Suicide happens globally over this issue. Yes. Saved or not saved, divorces happen, marriages are destroyed, family relationships are split, all these things, and the root behind a lot of this stuff, it's not the only thing, but I'm telling you, a, a root of a lot of stuff we face is shame. Yes. So the person feels flawed and unworthy of love and belonging. They could grow up in the same house, have the same parents. This child over here could be like, uh, just know and know and know that they're loved and they're celebrated by their parents. And this one over here could grow up in the same home and feel flawed, unworthy of belonging, and they isolate and disconnect themselves because they don't feel worthy of their love and attention. They could never put that into words, most likely. They would never recognize that because our feelings feel so big. But you notice when you put them into words sometimes, like, well, that's not so big. I can handle that. But it's the mystery of it. When we don't know, it feels, it feels so big. So I want to point out there's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is a feeling you have when you know that you did something wrong. Shame is a feeling you have when you feel like there's something wrong with you. Something defective or unworthy for some reason. There's something wrong with me. There's just something wrong with me. You just feel that. We feel dishonored, disgraced, or humiliated, humiliated, and we feel the emotion of shame. So now we can experience this emotion of shame through our own actions and also the actions of others. For example, if your father was an alcoholic, you may have had friends over to the house, and they see your father drinking or smashing a beer bottle or yelling at your mother or doing something like that, and it brought embarrassment to you, even though you didn't do anything wrong, you feel shame on you because of what your father had done. Or if someone close to you uh, committed adultery in your family line, someone close to you, even though you didn't do anything wrong, you carry on somehow, that generational shame gets passed down to you, and you grow up feeling like you did something wrong, or there's something wrong with you, even though you might have not have done anything yet. You might just be a young kid, not even had a chance to do something wrong. You'll inherit this kind of generational shame that's passed down the line. I promise you, as a testimony personally, I know that that's true. Personally, I know that's true. Because for years, I felt there was something defective and wrong with me. And it wasn't like I was perfect, but there was something I felt like from a very young age, and it was something that I didn't even do. It was passed down generationally, this feeling, this emotion, that there's something wrong with me. There's just something wrong. So any embarrassing action or, or, uh, or sin can bring shame on the family name or shame on the individual or both. So I want to show you where this started. It started in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. It says, So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Now, do you think God really knew where he was? I think he knows where he was, but he's trying to start a conversation here. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. The very first thing Adam and Eve experienced after they sinned was to have a revelation that they were naked. They were naked. They had lived in the garden, we don't know how many years, probably possibly hundreds possibly thousands possibly millions maybe the scientists have some of those numbers things right who knows we don't know how long they lived in the garden before the fall happened it didn't happen on day eight most likely right they had a day of rest and then day eight happened we don't know what happened but some time passed but some eventually after they sinned also this revelation they're naked they've been they've been naked the whole time they had no, had no idea now yeah, I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. I would just say I don't know if they had relations. I'm guessing they did. So I don't. There was something going on, but they didn't. they, they were naked, but they had no shame. And look what happened as soon as sin was introduced, shame was instantly introduced. Right then. Instantly introduced. And so they they sewed fig leaves together. I don't know if you guys ever tried to do that before. I know I haven't tried to sew leaves together. But it doesn't really sound like any kind of comfortable clothing that I'd want to try on. It sounds like it might be a little itchy over here, a little scratchy over here. And then, you know, and it starts raining or something, or you're working in the garden, like, hey, your, your, your leaves are kind of falling apart in the back end there. You might want to sew another... Big old maple leaf or something on there to patch that up. Like, I mean, it's not the best kind of clothing you'd want to have, but they instantly knew there was something they needed to do. They felt broken. They felt something's wrong with me, and I need to hide. I need to cover up my sinful shamefulness. When they have been naked the whole time. You see, before the fall, they were covered with the glory of God. They didn't even know they were naked. Because they are covered so much with his glory, with his presence, just covered them. And then after the fall, they realized, my covering is gone. My covering's gone. I, don't, I have to fix this. I have to do something. There's something wrong with me. i got to sew these leaves together. And thank God he didn't leave them with their, with their leaves. Amen? He did something special for them. Made them special garments of clothes so they could wear. But uh, they now felt they need to cover themselves uh, and, and hide. So they're already hiding their bodies with their, their leaves. And then they hear the voice of God in the garden. And then the leaves wasn't enough for hiding. All of a sudden, they, i got to hide more. i got to go hide behind these trees over here. Their their, their nakedness is covered. Why do they still want to hide? Shame. Shame. It's the reason why you hide. It's the reason why I hide. It's the reason why people don't want to sing or lead worship or be on stage. It's the reason why people don't want to do things because they're afraid they might make a mistake, they might do something wrong, they might experience embarrassment or humiliation. It's shame is the root of all these things, and it started with our parents in the garden. They opened the door to shame, and every one of us has been battling this same battle ever since. You know, think about school. Kids are cruel. Are they not cruel? They invent ways of being cruel. I can remember names, and I probably said them too. But I mean, think of the whole name-calling thing comes from shame. Fatty, fatty, two by four couldn't get through the bathroom door. Big nose, big ears, four eyes. Uh, you know, lard butt. I mean, I mean, you just they're just uh, pigeon-toed. Uh, you know, knock knees. I mean, what, what? I mean, just non-stop. They find something defective with you and they have to target you and put shame on you before someone else puts shame on them because they feel this flaw, this de- defect, there's something wrong with me. And, and guess what? Our kids don't even have to learn this stuff. They just do it instantly. Man, I was a really great insulter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was great at it, but I had to, I, no, looking back now, I had, to, I had to do it to them for someone did it to me. It was a self-defense mechanism to protect me from being exposed, feeling like there's something wrong with me, and I don't want them to know it, So i got to make fun of this kid that it's clearly something's wrong with this guy. So let's pick on this kid so someone doesn't pick on me. I'm telling you guys, uh, I want I just say today, the day of your shame is over. You are not called to live from a place of shame. And I'm going to show you how Jesus took care of our shame. But Genesis 2.25 said, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So in the garden before they sinned, again naked for who knows how long, no shame. Immediately after shame, felt they felt shame. They felt a need to hide. They felt a need to blame. They felt a need to make excuses. They felt the need. Uh, they felt that something was wrong with them, and there was and there wasn't the wrong. They were now dying. They were now dying. So just like Adam and Eve felt shame immediately after they sinned. Our enemy wants to put shame on us as fast, as quick, and as often as we possibly let him. I remember a couple of years ago, God speaking to me. He goes, Ryan, don't let guilt, shame, or condemnation stay on you for more than a second. Cast it off. I'm still learning how to do that because um, this, is, this is fresh rhema for me. Uh, uh, this, is new, this is new for me. I'm sharing this first time I can remember in this way today because I'm just seeing the damage it does not just to the church but to humanity. Um, so I believe many people battle shame in their lives and they don't even know it like I said before I thought I was battling guilt and rejection and fear of rejection and things like that but really the root of that was shame and just like Adam and Eve hid behind the trees in the garden shame hides behind other issues in our life it hides behind fear hides behind guilt and rejection and we don't always know it's there it's, it's one of those things that's really difficult to discern that this is what I'm battling So people who experience shame usually try to hide the thing that they feel ashamed of, right? They go get operations. They use extra makeup. They use baggy clothes or they use whatever they can, whatever the defect they feel is flawed. They don't like their nose, their ears, their eyes, their something. They're going to do something to try to make it look better either in their own eyes or so they won't get made fun of by somebody else. Let me just pause for a second here. If you were made fun of in school, I just want to pray that trauma off of you in Jesus' name. You think... I haven't been in grade school for 50 years. Well, guess what? If you haven't got healed of that thing, it's still there. It's still there. I've counseled, I don't know how many people in the back room in sozo meetings and stuff, and guess what we talk about? Third grade. Fourth grade. My school teacher, my, my bully in my class. This guy gave me a wedgie. This guy called me... Whatever embarrassed me. This guy pulled my pants down in the gym. This guy, whatever. And it's just these embarrassing, humiliating things that happen to people. And they scar us and mark us potentially for life if we don't get healed. So I'm going to just pray that trauma off now and I'll go on in the message. But Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for how much you love us. And I just command the trauma from being mocked, ridiculed, made fun of in school. To lift off my friends, my family now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're from another kingdom. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So I want to read to you, um, and you're probably going to need to listen to this again. You probably should be taking some notes on these things, because this is the big thing. But uh, symptoms of shame or impact of shame on your life. So if you think, well, how do I know if shame's a thing in my life? I got... 41 things I'm going to read here uh, that, that if you feel like this, then shame could be the root of that. So the first one is deep down you feel like you are flawed or there's something wrong with you, which can lead to social withdrawal or wanting to disappear or hide, just like they did in the garden. It can lead to addictions like alcohol, drugs, eating, spending, sexual abuse, and sexual acting out. It can lead to all kinds of things. Shame it may cause you to become defensive. When someone tries to bring you gentle correction or instruction, you get really defensive and just like, mm, you know, because you can't, you can't receive their correction. Because if you do, you're admitting something's wrong with you and, you, and you're trying to pretend like something isn't because you're trying to be perfect and, pro- and protect yourself. You may, want, you may cause shame on other people. You may, it may lead to you bullying others or being bullied yourself. May cause you to inflate your ego to hide the belief that you don't have value, like a narcissistic personality. People that are narcissistic in their personality they really battle shame. May lead to physical health problems. Can be related to depression and sadness. May lead if I say this and you and you want me you need me to repeat it just say hey can you say that one again you missed it I, I don't mind honestly. So. Uh, may leave you feeling empty, lonely, or worn out may lead you to a lower self-esteem, may make it harder for you to trust other people, may cause you to feel as though you're being judged, may lead to perfectionism or over-achievement, overachievement to try to counteract your feelings of shame, may cause you to engage in people-pleasing, may cause you to avoid talking because you are afraid to say something wrong, you might sat through class and you knew the answers the teachers were asking and you didn't want to put your hand up because you might be wrong and if you're wrong, the whole class might laugh at you. I know we, we laugh about that now, but it's because we laugh now because we're not in school. Those of you that are still in school, you know what I'm saying <laughs> because it's not fun to be made fun of and mocked like that. Um, may, cause you, uh, may cause you to avoid... Okay, next one. May cause uh, compulsive or excessive behaviors like strict dieting, overworking excessive cleaning, or having too high of standards in general. So some of the things we do, there's reasons why we do some things we do, but in some of it, it might be shame. Some more, this is from another list I, I got online, but um, anger can be a sign of shame. Blaming others or blaming yourself for everything. You ever met somebody and you, you try to talk to them something? I'm sorry, that's my fault. It's, uh, that's my fault. No, I, it's not your fault. I was just trying to talk to you, but no, 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 it's my fault. And they take blame for everything. And there's other people, they don't accept blame for anything. Shame is from behind both of those. It's behind both. Feeling oversensitive. Feeling underappreciated, used, or feeling like others take advantage of you. Worrying, worrying that you aren't treated with respect. Worrying about what others think about you. Uncontrollable blushing. Feeling rejected. Feeling like you have little impact around you. Wanting to have the last word. I'm like, ooh. I remember that one was a big one for me. I couldn't, even if I lost the argument, I wasn't going to be the last one to say something. <laughs> I was going to say something. Like a, I was like, oh, that came from shame? I didn't know that. Uh, not sharing your thoughts or feelings because you're afraid of embarrassment. Being afraid to look inappropriate or stupid. Being more worried about failure than doing something immoral. Do You know, that's why peer pressure, why people, young kids and church kids go out to parties and, and drink and do some things they shouldn't do because of that right there. They're more worried about looking bad in front of their friends than they are about doing something that's immoral. So they get in these really unhealthy situations, then they feel too embarrassed to back out because they're going to look like whatever to these people, and so they just go ahead and do something. That's powerful, that's, and that's shame. So um, being a perfectionist, feeling like an outsider or that you are different or left out, feeling suspicious or like you can't trust others, not wanting to be the center of attention or needing to be the center of attention, right? Wow. Um, wanting to shut people out or withdraw, feeling that you can't be your true self, trying to hide yourself or be inconspicuous, losing your identity, feeling inadequate, feelings of regret, and feeling dishonorable. And there's probably others, but that's the ones I found online of just different sources, uh, and they're not. Most of them are not Christian sources. They're just you know. People that study the human nature and what we struggle with. But you can see most of these impact, most of these shameful things impact us and it um, leads to behaviors that, are, that create this vicious cycle. We know this is bad or know this is shameful, but we, it causes us to engage in these same behaviors we knew that caused shame for our family, cause shame for somebody else, or shame ourselves. We end up doing them again, these vicious cycles, but we get stuck in them. So, behaviors that some people have when they feel ashamed, or how they might act if there's shame on them. They might look down instead of looking people in the eye. They might keep their head hung low, slumping shoulders instead of standing up straight, feeling frozen or unable to move, not being able to act uh, spontaneously, stuttering when, when you try to speak, talking in an overly soft voice, hiding yourself from others, and crying if you feel shame or embarrassment. Now, uh, and here's some of the, the causes where shame comes from. Childhood trauma, abuse or neglect, any mental health disorder that involves self-criticism or judgment like social anxiety disorder, not living up to overly high standards that you've set for yourself, feeling as though your flaws or inadequacies will be revealed or exposed, being a victim of bullying, expectations not being met or experiencing failure, and rejection from others or a weakening of a relationship. All those things and, and probably others are signs and symptoms that we've battled shame. But you know, when we don't know the name of the emotion we're battling, it really starts to feel huge. It starts to feel big. This, this is big. There's something wrong with me. So shame is one of the most powerful emotions that we can feel. And it causes us to, to sever relationship, relationships, sink into depression, fuel addictions and eating disorders, and even lead to suicide. So that is the, the issue of shame, and now I want to share with you the solution, or the answer to shame, and that's Jesus. Yeah, Amen? I love it. I was sharing this with Holly the other day, and she's like, shame, shame, I know your name. Come on out in Jesus' name. Amen? So I thought, I like that. That's pretty cool. But um, So now, do you think that God knew, like we? some of this might be news to you, it was news to me that I was battling with shame and things, but... Do you think God knew that this is a problem that we would, as humans would experience? Do you think he knew that? And do you think that God made provisions for that in salvation? To include something in what he did for us that would cover our shame? Yes. Yes, okay. Well, I want to read you some verses here. And I hope you get happy. I just hope shame is just so destroyed in your life. Because you don't realize how much of a villain, how much of an evil, demonic thing this has been in your life that stopped you from going and doing things that God asked you to do, feeling unworthy to do this or unworthy to share the gospel or share with a friend or I don't know enough scripture, or I don't know if this, and I don't know if that. And we're, we're giving God our nose and it's because of shame. It's We're trying to hide and not feel humiliated or embarrassed like there's something wrong with us. We're trying to protect ourselves. It's self-preservation and you don't need to do that anymore. You are absolutely fearfully and wonderfully made, created in the image of God, and He loves you like no other. Listen to Isaiah 54.4. God told me to read this in the spring, and it took me this long to figure it out, So, because <laughs> I was focused on other uh, verses in, the, in, in Isaiah 54. but It says, Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood, anymore. You will forget the shame of your youth. You will not be put to shame. The Bible says the righteous will not be put to shame, okay? God has no desire to shame you. And so as uh, James Woods said to me uh, on the, the Zoom call, I say to you, come out of yesterday in Jesus' name. Come out of yesterday in Jesus' name. Come on, someone take that in your spirit. Come out of yesterday in Jesus' name. That is not your identity. That is not who you are in Christ. Your life is hidden in Him. Isaiah sixty-one, one through three, and then verse seven also says, "The spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because He anointed me to preach good things, good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison doors to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God." And to comfort all who mourn. To counsel those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's our Jesus. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees or oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Amen. Now I'm going to drop down to verse 7. Instead of shame, you shall have double honor double on instead of shame and instead of confusion they shall rejoice in their portion therefore in the land they shall possess double and everlasting joy shall be yours all those types shadows foreshadows, all pointed to jesus they all pointed to what he did on the cross they all pointed to the new covenant if this doesn't apply to us who does it apply to this isn't a Jewish thing. This is a Christian thing. Jews and Gentiles, there's only one man now. We're all one in Christ. There is no Jew, Gentile. There's no slave, free. There is no male, female. The Bible said, well, that one's sketchy nowadays to say. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. There's one man, and we are now hidden in Christ. Amen? Amen. So uh, you might think, well, that's just an Old Testament thing, Pastor. That's an Old Testament. Doesn't, how do you know it applies to us? Well, let me show you. Luke 4, 16 through 21. He, being Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. The same reading we just read was handed to Jesus thousands of years ago. Is that not cool? We're reading the same thing today that he read that day. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, "'The Spirit of the Lord is on me, "'because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. "'He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners.'" And the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this isn't just a year, it's a season. It's a, it's a covenant of the Lord's favor. It's a new era of the Lord's favor. Amen. And that's the era we're living in. Amen. Verse 20 And then they rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And man, I'm telling you what, they were offended. But I'm telling you what, if one, one through three that he read applied to Jesus and applied to that day, how much more would verse seven, just a few verses down, also apply what Jesus was saying? Which, instead of shame, you'll have double honor. My gosh, do we not have double honor right now? That we're now children of God? We're now sons and daughters of God? How much more honor could you get? You're a child of God, you're his daughter. You're the best person. God, head of the universe of everything, He is your dad. I mean, that's like you know, you think someone that's very rich and famous. Oh, yeah, He's my dad. Okay, well, guess what? God's my dad. <laughs> I'm sorry, He made your dad. <laughs> he might. Yeah, anyway, so um, so according to Jesus, this He said, proclaim the good news to the poor, proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recover sight to the blind, and set the oppressed free, and proclaim the Lord's favor. So my question is, do you suppose? Do you think? that shame would be, be included in the proclamation of freedom to the prisoners or recovery of sight to the blind or the pressing, pressed going free? Would that include shame? Shame is imprisoning. Shame is, uh, is oppressive. Shame is a killer. It's killing people for a long time. So, but the thing is, Jesus said 2,000 years ago, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's already been fulfilled. Amen? He already took your shame. So now because it doesn't say the word shame in there, I want to show you in the Bible, in another place, where he actually, where he actually physically took your shame. Because I want you to have faith in this. I don't want you to think this all oh, rhymes another fad or another phase of something that God's showing him. No, it's way more than that. This, this is something that will actually change your life and change our church. So Mark 15, 25 through 32. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation or crime was written above him, the king of the Jews. With him they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled which said, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, you who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking among themselves, with the scribes saying, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the king of the Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe, and even those who were crucified with him rivaled him or made fun of him. So one of the verses I want to point out here is the verse five it says the very first part is or the end of the verse says, And they crucified him. Now, crucifixion back in their, their day was way more common to today. We don't really see that happening today much. Uh, but it happened a lot in Rome. Back then, there was tens of thousands of people were crucified there. And they don't talk much about it. I went through and read about in John and Matthew, Mark and Luke, all four accounts of the Gospels. They don't really talk about the, the crucifixion as far as the painful thing they went through. They don't talk so much about how much it hurt when the nails went through or how much, all those kind of things. They mention it, but they don't really talk about it. They don't focus on it. But they do say, they all talk about what he experienced on the cross. They talk about relationships with a, a John, this is now your mom, this is now, this is now your son, and, and this interaction, I forgive you to the criminal on the cross. And it's all these things he's doing on the cross, but not really talking about so much about his pain. So in our minds, we think about crucifixion, in this least mine, I'm thinking of the pain. That would hurt. Like the whipping thing, that, yeah, that would hurt. The thorns, mm, that would be, that'd be painful. The nails, gosh, I can't imagine that. Like, that's what I'm focused on, but the Scripture, what I'm trying to point out, the Scripture is trying to highlight something else to us other than the pain. The pain is obvious, but the pain was experienced by many people. But something else is there. And I believe Mark and the other uh, writers of the Gospels is trying to bring our attention to the shame of the cross, not so much the pain of the cross. Did you hear me? What I believe they're trying to point out is the shame of the cross, not just the pain of the cross. Think of what Jesus went through for you and for me. Did nothing wrong. Didn't deserve anything bad to ever happen to him. Jesus was rejected, despised, and ridiculed by almost everyone. The ruling council and the soldiers mocked him, spit on him. They spit on the face of God. He was so badly beaten and weak that someone else had to carry his cross for him. They had him stripped and crucified him. And there he hangs, uh, cursed with no dignity, because his curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. We see him harassed and ridiculed by the crowds, people passing by, shouting obscenities at him, they're laughing at him, they're mocking him, they're throwing back his words in his face, they're just totally making fun of him, just like we had been in school and different things. They're mocking him and harassing him. And they're like, I thought you said you destroyed the temple three days and build it again. You can't even come down off that cross. And you know what he could have? Like, I'll show you. He could have called 10,000 angels. He had absolute dominion and authority to snap his fingers and the whole world would be dead. We could start all over. Like, redo. Let's do this over. These guys are just way too much on my nerves. Like, I, 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 can't, like this, this, I can't believe that guy said it to me. Like, he's, he doesn't even realize who I am right here. But he didn't. And his love for you and me, his humility, his servanthood kept him there. That would be hard to do. The chief priests and scribes got, got in on the mocking of Jesus said, "He healed the sick, he can't even help himself." It was shame upon shame upon shame. We see this pattern also of abandonment and rejection that started with Judas betraying him in the Garden of Gethsemane. His friends falling asti- asleep when they needed him the most and they're when they're praying. Uh, when they were praying. Um, the disciples fleeing when he was arrested, Peter's denial of him, a false trial with false accusations, he was falsely imprisoned. Flogged, beaten, ridiculed, abused, rejected by nearly everyone. And it was shame upon shame upon shame. And on top of all that, most people believe, the scriptures say in commentaries, when they they crucified somebody, they were on the cross naked. Now think about going back to the garden, Adam and Eve, where shame started. Now here is the second Adam, the first Adam, Jesus, being naked on the cross in front of his mother, Some of the disciples that were there, the other ladies in the ministry, it says there was a great multitude there. And they're mocking him. He had no way to hide, no way to cover himself, no leaves, no trees to hide behind. He's there on that cross for you and for me, bearing in his own soul all of your shame and mine. Guys, you don't have to feel ashamed anymore. Jesus bore it. It's been a lie of the enemy that you yeah, you're forgiven, but you still gotta, you know, you still gotta work it off some, you still gotta do something. No, Jesus did it all. So this is what the gospel writers I think wanted to point out is the shame of the cross. So you look at his life and ministry, he he loved perfectly, he served perfectly, he did everything right. He valued life, he healed people, restored relationships, brought, uh, he valued everyone's worth and, and uh, everyone he encountered, he gave them love and hope and, and many things that were broken in their lives, yet he himself was absolutely broken and crushed for you and for me. Amen. And I just feel like, why don't we receive the reward of his suffering? Like, he wants to receive the reward of his suffering, which is us, but in this life he wants us to receive what he already paid for, for us too, and he paid for our shame. So, and he did all that, good things he did, and yet he, here he was suffering the worst shame imaginable with the death on a cross. So guys, Jesus bore our shame, and I don't want you to think, I want you to think right now as, excuse me, I want you to think about your life right now as it relates to shame. Shame from your past, shame from your current or failings or struggles, shame because of what other people might think of you, Maybe what your family thinks of you, shame of what you think of yourself, or how shame you're not good enough, don't measure up, shame for any reason. I want you just think about that for a moment, and I want you. We're going to pray together, and I want you to give that to Jesus, because He does not think that way about you. That doesn't filter through His mindset. He took it all. Shame is a crushing burden. It's not just a feeling or a way of thinking, it's an experience where you are experiencing, you're experiencing yourself as defective, empty, or worthless. And that's why that message is so popular in churches in our area, that you're a worm, you're worthless, you're a scum, you're whatever, because it's hitting the emotion of our, of our shame. It's hitting that, that sense of unworthiness, that shame, that we're no good. But we don't need to be built up in that area, we need to be built up in what Jesus did for us. Amen? So that's why it's so popular and why it resonates with people when they hear it, because it's connecting to that emotion they can't put their finger on. But that's not how Jesus sees us. So what I'm saying is that Jesus took all of that on Himself at the cross for you and for me. He took it all. The worst thing you ever did, or the worst thing that ever happened to you, the worst thing that someone said to you, or did to you, or physically touched you in an inappropriate way, or whatever they did to you, Jesus Himself bore that in His own body, in His soul for you and for me, so you don't have to keep going through life like that. Amen. Amen. So I want to pray for you guys. The Bible says uh, in his word that you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. And Let me read you this one more verse as we, before I pray. Hebrews 12, 2. I want you to see this in a new light today. But Looking into Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising or scorning the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was the most embarrassing, most humiliating type of, of murder or killing that they could actually do. He despised shame, but he endured it for you and for me. And guess what? He despises our shame too. And that's why he endured it. That's why he took it. Because he hates when his children are buried and covered up in shame. Don't you hate that when you see that in your kids' lives? Or something like that. They're battling with something like, I don't even know why you're battling that. You're, you're freaking awesome. You're absolutely amazing. I don't, I don't, I don't even know why you feel like that about yourself. Guess why? It's shame it's something deep down from the garden that came in through our parents Adam and Eve and it's been going through people ever since just like the sin nature went through people just like sin itself went through people just like death went through people shame was introduced first in the garden and that's why we hide and that's why we need to get we need to say bye to shame amen so I want to ask you to stand and I want to pray for you guys some of you may already have dealt with this if you have Great. Praise God. I'm happy for you. Um, thank God. And, uh, but be mindful that others in the room have not. So um, today maybe this message really hit home with you about something. Maybe you feel flawed and defective and unworthy to do something for God. I want you to know that today is Liberation Day. Liberation from bondage and the heavy weight of shame. Your father, God, does not want you to feel that way any longer amen do you know Hebrews eleven two? it says that Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brother or sister think about that if anybody could have shame towards us anyone would have the right that would know everything he needed to know about us to judge us in any way whatever it would be him and he says here Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brother or sister And you know why? Because he bore it for you. He despised it and he endured it, but he did it for the joy set before him, which was was a relationship with you. So instead of shame, you shall have double honor and everlasting joy shall be yours. (coughs) Amen. This doesn't have to wait until we get to heaven, guys. This doesn't have to wait until you die to receive or experience double honor or everlasting joy. We can have it now in faith because he provided for us 2,000 years ago. It is finished in your hearing. It is already finished. Amen. So I'm going to pray over you guys and just break this off in Jesus' name. I just feel the pleasure of the Lord on this. I mean, just an excitement from God that he's been wanting to do this so long for some of you. You were cuddled up in your bed hugging your pillow and crying, or hugging your dog and crying all over your dog in your room, and you were scared and terrified, feeling like there was something wrong with you, you're unredeemable, unforgivable, and it was something you couldn't get over, and you just felt like somebody maybe killing yourself or destroying something, or someone in your family felt like that. And I'm telling you, the Father is excited about today, because today is your liberation day. Instead of shame, you shall have double honor. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we spot it. We, I speak to shame. And everyone in this room, everyone in this room, I speak to shame, including me. I command shame to lift off of us in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You are not our friend. You are not our savior. You are not our boss. We are redeemed from shame through the body of Jesus. I command shame to go and everlasting joy to be your portion. Double honor to be your portion as sons and daughters of God. That he lifts up your head, lifts up your head and your shoulders, your countenance, to look upon him and see him. And know you can boldly approach the throne of grace because of Jesus, he paid it all for you and for me. You have the covenant removal Of your shame. I just declare that over you and me and those listening online in Jesus' name. Some of you are going to feel like you don't have to give Jesus a no anymore. When he asked you to do something, because shame was blocking it. Thank you, Jesus. I want us to go out today with a song, and if it lingers on, praise God. If you have to go, you can go, but I don't want to cut off what God's doing because someone else has an appointment. We we, we want to honor your appointment too, so if you need to go, just go quietly. You can talk outside or whatever. But um, some of you, I think many of you, God's doing some business in your heart. He's doing some stuff there, and it's stuff that he's wanted to do for a long time. And so let's just, if you want to kneel at the altar, you want to kneel at your seat, you want to sit down, you want to praise, you want to shout, you want to dance, you want to get excited because everlasting joy is yours or whatever, let's just be with him. And thank Him for what He did for us. Amen. Amen.